Roger Roller with us this morning. Uh, he's a man that loves the Lord and excited to hear what God has to say to us. Uh, you know, we've been praying that God would uh, waken the church uh, and talking about that for a while. As I said uh, several times, G. Campbell Morgan said, you know, we can't schedule revival. We can't plan it. But what we can do is set ourselves toward God and pray that a fresh wind of His Spirit would move us His direction. And I pray that that happens as our, in our time together. Say a word of prayer and I'm going to ask Roger to come up. Lord, we need You. Father, of course, uh, we continue to pray that You would anoint Your servant as He shares Your Word. Father, may we leave here and say, the Lord was obviously in this place. And Father, we just want to give You freedom to move, take away any barrier that prohibits your blessing. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. Good to be at Kingsway Baptist Church. Appreciate you letting me come and share in a week of revival services. I've looked forward to it and uh, trust that you'll make your way out to the services each night this week. I want to plug one of the services. Wednesday night, we're going to close out with a family message entitled, What's Happened to the Family? It'll be a message geared toward marriage and family relationship, parent-child relationships. And so I want to speak particularly to the young people on Wednesday night. So I hope that you'll be here and sit together in family groups and family units on Wednesday night. One of the greatest breakdowns in our society certainly is the breakdown of the family, and we'll address some of those issues on Wednesday night. So you be here if you can for the final night of the revival. I hope you'll be here the others as well. This morning, I want you to take your Bibles, if you will, please. Turn in the uh, New Testament, 1 John chapter 5. I only want to read one verse to you this morning. 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. While you're looking that up, uh, listen, I'm just an old country fella from Parisburg, out in Giles County, on the Virginia, West Virginia line, but as I always like to say, far enough this side to be from Virginia, not from West Virginia. And Southwest Virginia holds a dear place in my heart. My mom, my grandmother, aunt, a lot of my family, born and raised over in Coburn, so I spent a lot of my childhood days and summers over in Wise County, so... I'm familiar with Southwest Virginia. I know I'm from the Lynchburg area, but uh, grew up in Southwest Virginia, so you're my kind of people, and I enjoy speaking to the folks of Southwest Virginia. So I hope we'll have a good time together. And I always also want to encourage you to do this. You know, I hope you won't uh, say, oh, my goodness, we've got to go back after the revival again tonight and dread it. I hope it'll be something that you'll enjoy doing. You know, I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to preach hard to you. That's the only thing I know to do. I'm going to share the good news. But at the same time, I'm going to try to make you laugh a little bit. I want you to have a good time, enjoy being around one another. Let's just see what God wants to do this week. Let's just trust Him. God, what do you want to do in the life of Kingsway Baptist Church? What is it you want, and where do you want me to jump in and hang on to? So don't just be here this morning. Do all that you can. I know some of you work second and third shift, and I understand that. But if you can be here, be here. And I believe God will do some work in my life and your life as well. 1 John 5.13 says this, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. 
not guess, not hope, not wonder. I write these things that you might know. Pray with me. Father, thank You for Your love and mercy. Thank You for dying on the cross for us. Now take this simple message, press it to the hearts of people here today who never received Jesus as Savior. And when the invitation time is given, we'll give You praise for those who come down the aisle to respond to You. In Your Son's name we pray. Amen. Do you know for sure this morning that you have eternal life in heaven? And that if you were to die today, you're definitely headed for the kingdom of heaven. Well, now, hey, if you don't know that or you're not sure, I want you to listen real closely to what I have to say because there is no need and it makes no sense for anybody in this building to miss heaven. But I want you to understand something. It is possible to die and go to hell. It can happen, it has happened, and it will happen. But I don't want it to happen to you. And so I'm opening this revival series with a simple, basic, childlike gospel message. I want it to be simple. I want 8 and 9 and 10-year-old boys and girls to be able to understand what I'm saying this morning. As a matter of fact, if 8 and 9-year-olds can't understand this message, I did not preach it very well. My heart's desire is that everybody in this building can lay your head on the pillow tonight and say with all assurance, if I should die before I wake, I know I'm headed for heaven. Many of you are already Christians. Hey, that's great, and I rejoice with you. And what I hope you will do is jot down these few simple New Testament verses of Scripture that we're going to look at this morning, and maybe you can share them with somebody else who needs to know the same Jesus that you know. Ready? Here we go. A man by the name of Ron Proctor was getting ready to get on board an airplane, and as Proctor got ready to get on board the plane, he struck up a conversation with a fellow who turned out to be a wealthy oil millionaire. They talked for a few moments, and Proctor said, You know, Lord, I'd like to share my faith with this guy. I'd like to talk to him about Jesus. But I know in a few moments he's going to turn the conversation around on me, and he's going to say, Sir, what do you do for a living? And I know it's really going to impress him when I say, Well, hey, man, I'm a Baptist preacher. So he said, Lord, if I'm going to have any insight and talk to this guy, I need some help from you. Well, sure enough, they talked for a few moments, and the guy turned the conversation and said, Sir, what's your job? What do you do? He said right off the top of his head, he responded, Well, he said, I'm a heaven consultant. God said, a heaven consultant. He said, I never heard of such a thing. He said, well, that's what I am. He said, well, what in the world does a heaven consultant do? He said, well, I tell people how to make heaven and how to miss hell. He said, is there anybody else out there like you? He said, oh, yeah, the whole bunch of people like me. He said, maybe you just hadn't met any yet. Proctor got on board, sat out on the plane. man came and sat down. He said, look, would you mind telling me a little more about what it means to be a heaven consultant? He said, I'd be glad to. And he opened his Bible and shared with him this verse we just read out of 1 John 5, 13, which says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Now, this man came from a Mormon background. And he said, but our book doesn't say you can know that for sure. Long story short, the man gave his heart to Jesus. When the plane landed, they found his wife and teenage daughter, and they too were saved that day. Now, isn't it interesting? Proctor said, Lord, give me a word of wisdom. And he does it by saying, you just tell him you're a heaven consultant. You see, this God we serve really is a mysterious God, is He not? I mean, this is an interesting Savior that we say that we follow. And by the way, you and I, we're an interesting group of people as well. We're interesting in the fact that so often we're concerned about the temporary, but very rarely we're concerned about the eternal. 
We ask questions like, where will my kids be raised? What will their job be? Who will they marry? And I care about those things just like you do. But so often we bypass the most important issue of life, which is simply this. When I die, and when you die, where will we spend eternity? And none of us knows when the reality of that question will be upon our lives. With that thought in mind, let's look at several simple, basic New Testament verses of Scripture that most of you have memorized by heart already. We begin in Romans 3.23 where the Bible says this, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now folks, whatever it is we've done, the Bible says we've all done it. What is this thing called sin? Well, anytime you're disobedient or rebellious, that's sin. There's going to be some times in your life God's going to say, Hey, I want you to do this. And you're going to say, No, I don't want to do that. And that's sin. There are going to be some other times God's going to say, Don't you get involved in that on Friday night. And you're going to say, Lord, I don't care what you say. I'm going to have my fun. I'll do anything I want to do. And that's sin. So there are thousands of ways we can commit sin. But the Bible is real clear. We're all sinners. Now, you'd be surprised the number of people you talk to, and they say, man, I'm not a sinner. I never robbed anybody. I didn't ever, I've not murdered anybody. You do realize this morning, it took the same amount of blood at Calvary to die for the murderer as it does to die for the person who deals with jealousy. Ground around the cross is level. It took the same amount of blood at Calvary to die for the thief as it does to die for the person who deals with bitterness and gossip. Ground around the cross is level. No up here sin and down here sin. We say there is, but God never said that. The Bible simply says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So if you're ever going to make it into the kingdom of heaven, it's imperative that you come to understand you are a sinner. You see, at best, I'm speaking to a room full of sinners this morning. Some saved, some lost, but all sinners. The one doing the speaking, I'm a sinner. So the first bit of information I've shared with you this morning is bad news, and that bad news is everybody in this building is a sinner. second bit of information I want to share with you is also bad news, and it's found in Romans 6.23. And there the Bible says this. It says the wages of sin is death. There is a payment for you and I being a sinner, and the payment is someday we have to die. Now, we act like that's not going to happen to us, but surprise of all surprises, it will happen. I will die someday. You will die someday. You see, for all I know, I may be preaching for the final time. I may never preach again in my life. That's not my business. That's God's business. You may be sitting in King's Way listening to the last message you will ever listen to in your life, and you don't know whether that's true or not. That's not your business. That's God's business. Billy Graham said this. He said, Our casket may already be in town. And we don't even know it yet. So death is a reality, and it comes to all of us. And the quicker we come to understand that, the better off we'll be. So the first two bits of information we've looked at this morning are bad news. It's bad news that everybody in the building is a sinner. It's bad news that everybody in the building someday has to die. You say, well, Roger, we thought Todd brought you down here to preach the good news. Well, hey, folks, the gospel is good news. But it's not good news until you understand the bad news. There's got to be something that makes the good news good, and that is there's bad news in the first place. We are sinners. We are going to die. Now comes the good news. Yes, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God's got a gift He's trying to give to you. He's not trying to hold it back. He's not trying to say, boy, if I can get those people down there in Bristol to mess up bad enough, I've got them where I want them. God wants you to have the gift. Now, there's something interesting about gifts that we give and receive. 
When you uh, receive a birthday gift, Christmas gift, or anniversary gift, you just say thank you. You don't pay the person for the gift. You just accept the gift that they give you. For example, how many of you husbands, you gave your wife a new dress for a birthday or anniversary? And she opened it up and she said, Oh, honey, just the right size, just the right color. It's beautiful, it fits, I love it, and I love you. And you looked at her and said, Yeah, and by the way, you owe me $94.14. Not too many of you if you want to be together for the next anniversary. I preached this passage in Southside, Virginia. Used a much less figure for the dress. Instead of saying $90, I said $25. Had a little lady meet me at the back door after the service that day. She came, had her hand on her hip. I was shaking hands. She came out. I knew she wanted to say something by the time she got to me. She said, well, one thing I know for sure. You ain't bought your wife a new dress in a long time. (laughs) So, regardless of the cost of the dress, you don't pay for it. Now, that's the way it is with the gift of eternal life. Suppose I take this Bible this morning, I wrap it up with paper and bow, and I hand it to you. Say, here, I bought you a gift. I want you to have it. It's a gift for me to you and didn't cost you a thing. But suppose I take this same Bible, I wrap it up with paper and bow, and I hand it to you, and you fold your arms, and you say, well, Roger, I appreciate it, but I don't want it. Well, it's not a gift anymore. Why? I mean, I bought it to be a gift. I wrapped it up to be a gift. I handed it to you to be a gift, but it's not a gift. Why? Well, the answer is obvious, because you didn't take it, because you didn't receive it. And that's the way it is with the gift of eternal life. If you never take it, it'll never be yours. The gift is not yours because you're just sitting here today. The gift is not yours because your mother and daddy were Christians. The gift will be yours when you, by faith, you personally, individually, repent of your sin, trust Christ as Savior, and begin to follow Him from that day forward. Good news, good news, bad news. We are sinners. We are going to die. God wants to give us a gift. What is that gift? Living forever in heaven. What does He want us to do? Take the gift He's trying to give you. Romans 5.8 says this, God demonstrated His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Do you realize this morning, before you were ever born or thought of, Jesus died on the cross for you. You weren't even a thought in your mother and daddy's eyes. Now, there's some things that are different about our love and God's love, and I'll show you a couple of differences. I might say to you, I'm going to bring my cousin to the service tonight. Oh, you're going to love my cousin. The truth is, you may not even like my cousin. Personalities clash sometimes. We don't automatically fall in love with everybody we meet the first time we meet them. Just, well, be honest about that. But you see, God was able to love us before He ever knew us. That's something you and I can't do. We can't love people we haven't met yet, but God loved us before He ever knew us. Here's something else that's different about our love and God's love. I have three children. My oldest daughter, uh, Rachel, is 33. She's a first grade teacher. My son's 28. His name is Roger. He's in the pet business, Blacksburg. And uh, my youngest daughter, Sarah, is 25 and lives in Richmond, works at Central State Hospital as a social worker in Petersburg. Now, I've got to be honest with you. I wouldn't let a one of my three kids die for anybody in this building today. Does that mean I don't love you? No, it just means I don't have the kind of love God has. And if you're honest with me, you wouldn't let your children, you wouldn't let your grandchildren die for me. You know you wouldn't. Does that mean you don't like me? That just means you don't have the kind of love God has. But you see, God loved us so much, He allowed His only Son, Jesus Christ, who had it all, to come and lay it all down so that you and I in return might have it all. 
Oh, what great love that God had that He would go to such lengths to get us home. Ever since you drew your first breath, He has built a bridge to do everything to get you back home. And there are times that I've sat in the easy chair of my living room and the tears have streamed down my face thinking, Sinner that I am, God loves me. Look, I don't know you. I'm meeting you for the very first time this morning. But I know me, and I know what I'm like. I'm a filthy, rotten sinner, and God loves me. And that's the greatest news I've ever been told. While you and I were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Acts 2.38 says this. A man by the name of Peter was preaching. People said, what do we need to do? Peter said, you need to repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. And your sins will be forgiven, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, let's break that verse down a little bit. What's the first thing he said we need to do? Join the church? No. Vote Republican or Democrat? No. Be civic-minded? No. He said we need to repent. Now, what is repentance? Well, repentance is uh, not the little six-year-old who sticks their hand in the cookie jar and their mom catches him and smacks their hand and they start to cry. That's not called repentance. That's called, I got caught. I, I know a whole lot of criminals who saw they got caught. They're just not sorry for what they did. Repentance is acknowledging Jesus is righteous and holy, I'm not. Jesus is sinless. I'm sinful. I need somebody to deal with the sin in my life. Way too many of us today, we want all the goodies of Easter Sunday morning. We want to talk about the resurrected body and we're headed for the kingdom of heaven and our sins are forgiven. But we don't want to deal with God at the cross about the sin in our life. And what I'm saying to you today is this. Listen now. If you have never repented of the sin in your life, you have never been saved. Say it again so nobody misunderstood me. If you have never repented of the sin in your life, you have never been saved. Repentance is necessary for salvation. Jesus came preaching repentance. John the Baptist came preaching repentance. The New Testament is explicit with it that repentance is necessary for salvation. We've got this easy believism today. The people you just talk to them, they say, oh, I believe in God. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says even the demons Believe in God. Now, doesn't that put you in great company? He says, repent and then do what? After you have repented, repent and then be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. And your sins will be forgiven and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, I often get asked, is baptism necessary for salvation? And the answer to that is no. But I follow that up immediately by saying this. Baptism, your baptism is the first act of obedience for any new Christian. The first thing He wants you to do is to follow the Lord in the waters of baptism. And if we won't do the first thing He wants us to do, it's highly unlikely we're going to do much anything else. In other words, if we say, well, yeah, man, I'm saved, but that, that silly baptism stuff Todd and them do up there, I'm not doing that. Then you're not very serious about following Jesus. Because if you mean business, you'll be baptized. Baptism is a symbol. My wedding ring is a symbol of my marriage for the last 36 years. I can lay it down. I'm still married. This is not my marriage. This is a symbol of my marriage. Your baptism is a symbol of your wedding ceremony to Jesus Christ that you believe He died, was buried, and rose again. So the Bible says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, and your sins will be forgiven, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is Jesus living in your heart. You say, Hey, I'd like to do that. How can I do that? I think the simplest verse in all of New Testament Scripture about how a person can know they're saved is found in Romans 10, 9, and 10. 
there the Bible says this. It says, if you will confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And if you will believe in your heart, God raised Him from the dead. You will be saved. Notice it takes the two things working together, mouth and heart. Not one without the other. For example, if I say to you this morning, well, y'all sure are a nice group of people. And I get in the car and drive back to my motel and say, well, snooty old bunch, they wouldn't even speak to me. Hey, is that not hypocritical? I told you something with my mouth and didn't believe it. The opposite of that is if you feel something in your heart and you never express it outwardly, no one's ever going to know what you say. So the Bible says, if you'll confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart, God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Now I ask people, I say, are you a Christian? And they'll say, well, I hope so. I reckon so. I guess so. Here's the best one. I'm trying. I'm trying. And I want to say, do you mean to tell me that's all the assurance you've got? You would lay your head on the pillow tonight and say, if I should die before I wake, I hope I'm going to heaven. I reckon I'm going to heaven. Folks, listen, we're to be saved and know it. 1 John 5.13 says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Not guess, not hope, but that you may know it. And now Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, if you believe in your heart God hath raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Not a 92% chance. You will be saved. We're to be saved and know it. Roger, you stood up there this morning and you told us God loved us. But I also heard you say it's possible to die and go to hell. And I just don't think a loving God would ever send anybody to a place called hell. Well, if that's your line of reasoning, I agree with you and here's why. Because anybody who ever gets to that other place, hey folks, make no mistake about it. Bristol will be well represented there, just like Lynchburg where I live. Anybody who ever gets to that other place will have gotten there their own free will. Because you've had your entire life to choose Jesus Christ. And if for whatever reason you choose never to become a Christian, you're an intellectual, you're too smart for God, you're afraid of coming publicly down an aisle, you're worried about what your friends will say. You hate to go back to school and tell your buddies that you got saved. Whatever reason you choose for never being saved, let's not talk about a loving God sending anybody to a place called hell. Let's talk about people making a foolish choice once they understand the consequences of that choice. I speak to young people all across our state, and I always say this, Choices have consequences. Make good choices. What about that make it public stuff? Todd invites us on Sunday to come down the aisle and let others know we're giving our heart to Jesus and make what we call a public profession of faith. I don't want, why do I need to come publicly before others? I'll give you two good biblical reasons. Jesus implied in the New Testament, if you'll not confess me before others, I will not confess you before the Father in heaven. I take that seriously. On over in the New Testament it says, do not forget the good confession of faith you made in the presence of many witnesses. That's what we have here today. You see, folks, eternity is a long time, isn't it? We get to live, the Bible says 70 years is average lifespan, but let's say we get to live 80 or 90 by the grace of God. It's still short. Eternity's a long time. Hey, you better be sure about it, and you better be right about it, because you don't get another chance after this life. None of this foolish stuff we hear of people praying someone into the kingdom after they've died. That's, that's not going to happen. You're either going to choose Jesus in this lifetime or 
You're not going to choose Jesus. There's an old poem that goes like this. Loved ones will weep o'er my silent face. Dear ones will clasp me in sad embrace. Darkness and shadows will fill the place five minutes after I die. Faces of sorrow I won't see and voices that cry out, they won't reach me, but where, oh, where will my spirit be five minutes after I die? Mated forever with my chosen throng, long as eternity, oh, so long. Then woe is me if my soul be wrong five minutes after I die. You see, the truth is this. Woe is me if my soul be wrong one second after I die. I ask you with love in my heart for you. Do you know? It's a simple yes or no question. Do you know for sure that you have eternal life in heaven? And that if you were to die today, you're definitely headed there. You say, oh, you're a typical evangelist. You try to scare everybody saying, if you die today, would you go to heaven? I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm trying to get you to deal with reality. You pick up the Bristol, the Bristol paper, the Herald Courier, whatever the name of your paper is. You turn to section B to the obituary column and you know what you'll find today? You'll find the names of people who were living 48 hours ago and now their name is written in your local paper. And someday your name will be in the local paper and someday my name will be in my local paper. Death is a reality. Let me speak to the young people just a moment before we close. Young people, here's what I'd have to say. Enjoy life. Have fun. Laugh a lot. You're only young one time. Enjoy your youth. But understand that being young is no guarantee of a long life. Understand that anything can happen at any time to anybody of any age. As I like to say, the day I drew my first breath, I was old enough to die. So will you. Lord knows we've learned from what happened up in Boston this week that the unexpected can take you out of here when you're doing nothing wrong at all. My goodness. Young people, be ready for that moment. God says, today is your day. Your time is up. So enjoy life. Live it to the fullest. Have a good time. Laugh a lot. But understand that you don't stay young forever. Billy Graham again said the greatest surprise of his life was how quickly he became an old man. You know, when you're 14, 16, why a 40-year-old is an old person? And all of a sudden you get there. And a 60-year-old is an old person. And all of a sudden you get there. An 80-year-old person is an old person. And all of a sudden you get there. Do you know for sure that you have eternal life in heaven? And that if you were to die today, you're headed there. There's no reason for you not to know that. You need to know it. You don't have to wonder. You don't have to doubt. I've often told my children and my wife, I travel a lot here in the United States, out of the United States. 
If anything ever happens to me, one thing I don't want you to do is worry about where I am. Because I promise you on the authority of God's Word and on the knowledge of knowing what I've done in my relationship with Jesus Christ, having trusted Him and committed my life to Him, and ask Him to forgive me my sin, I said, you don't ever have to worry where I am at the moment of my death. And I know many of you in here could say the same thing today. But to those of you who can't, you need to think about this. It's a very serious question. Where are you going to spend forever when this life is over? And it's not, have you heard about Jesus? It's not, do you know who Jesus is? Have you committed committed your life to Him? Just like you would commit your life as husband and wife to a lifetime together. Have you committed your life to Him? Have you begun to follow Him to be the person He wants you to be? You either have or you haven't. If you haven't, never been saved, hey, it's a great day to be saved. You know why? It's the only day you know you have. The only day we know we have is today. We're living it. If you've never accepted Jesus, I hope you'll just think about it today. Hey, don't do it for me. It won't change my life. You know, if you want to stay lost, it won't change my life at all. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. I want you to go, but it won't change my life. So in a few moments, when we have the invitation time, if you're here, I, I hope you'll consider saying yes to Jesus for the very first time. And if you're afraid of coming down the aisle, just say, God, would you give me courage today? Would you help me? Would you, would you strengthen me? Just give me the courage to walk down and share with Pastor Todd my desire to be saved today. We're all sinners. We're all going to die. God wants to give us the gift of eternal life. All He wants us to do is take it and begin to follow Him. Not just take it and that's it, but take it and begin to follow Him. We do that by confessing with our mouth Jesus is Lord, believing in our heart God hath raised from the dead, repenting of our sin. He'll save you. And you can have that assurance in your heart. So just think about it during the invitation time. Let's pray together. Father, thank You for loving us. Thank You for all that You've done. Now in the quietness of this moment, would You stir hearts? I pray there are going to be some people who come this morning and say yes to Jesus Christ. In your Son's name we pray. Amen.